Right, guys. So one thing I want to talk to you about today in tonight's uh, open office is going to be the boundaries jar. Um, and as I said at the start, this call before we start recording in one of my personal coaching sessions that I have with Johnny, because I work with Johnny one to one. It's why I brought him into the team, because I know how bloody brilliant he is. He talked to me about my boundaries. And yes, I do not have it all figured out. I am not perfect. Nobody is. We are all a work in progress. And actually, one of my big goals for this year was to have better boundaries, to take my weekends back, to not work as much in the evenings and to typically, just generally speaking, get a better work life balance on a typical week. There'll be some really, really busy weeks. Dare I say it, probably not, but you never know. There might be a lighter week every now and then. Most likely not, just like teaching. But I wanted to get my average work life balance, life work balance a little bit better than it was in 2022. Because to be honest, it, it wasn't great. I'll be totally honest. And we're all, as I say, a work in progress. And this is something I've been working on with Johnny. And Johnny taught me this concept um, this week, last week, sorry, of the boundaries jar. Now, first of all, let's start on the right with looking on the page, if you're listening back on the podcast, to a bunch of marbles spread around. They're just spread all out. This is what it's like when you have no boundaries. Imagine that you've got a table, a completely clear table, and there's no boundaries. There's no there's no sort of um, edges to the table. You grab a big old hand of marbles and you just throw them on the table. What happens? They go rolling off in all directions. You lose some of them. Some of them chip and smash on the floor. Some of them get broken. Some of them just roll about. It's a disaster. This is a bit what it's like to have no boundaries. You are essentially throwing the marbles down and they land where they land. Okay, wherever the chips fall sort of thing. The problem with this is that people will take advantage of that. People will know that you don't have boundaries and they'll come in and they'll grab some of your marbles and they'll push them around. And you've got no control of where your marbles go. We need to make sure that we know where our marbles are. We need to put some boundaries in place. So now I want you to imagine that you set one boundary. At the end of that table that we're talking about, you you put, I don't know, a big bit of wood, right? And you throw the marbles down. Yes, they still go everywhere, but actually they don't go off that end of the table. Hey, cool, we've got some sort of boundary. It might be that you've said to all your colleagues and your team, right, on Wednesdays, I don't work past 5 p.m. Or on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I leave at half past four. Might be a, that might be, as, as an example, a boundary that you set and you tell people you communicate it. You tell them why you're doing it. You really sort of explain, explain it. You shouldn't have to explain that. People should just say, OK, and respect it. But unfortunately, that's not what people do. People want stuff from you and people will always try and take advantage. It's just human nature. OK, particularly in school. We've all done it. Let's be honest. It's really, really difficult not to do. Now imagine you put some runners down the side, you put two bits of wood down the side of those tables, you throw it and again, they all go all over the place and then some of them come bouncing back and they go on the floor in front of you and in, in the in the side, over the side that's not covered and you know, your, back, your marbles are still, still all over the place, but they're not as bad as they were. Now imagine that you confine those marbles and you put them in a jar. So you have a jar on the table and you get your marbles and you just pour them in the jar. That's when you have really strong boundaries. You've communicated those boundaries. When those boundaries are overstepped, you know, someone comes and shakes the jar and a marble goes flying out. You put the lid back on and you say, no, these are the boundaries. They are firm. This is where I'm drawing them. This is my, these are my boundaries. It's like the marbles in the jar. We want to keep your marbles in the jar. We don't want your marbles running around all over the place. So like I say, let's talk about what kind of boundaries we could talk about. We could literally practice saying no. We really could. It could be that simple. 
at home, in your mind, in your car, talking to a partner, whatever, practice saying no, practice how you're going to say no. And when you do say no a little bit more, and it might be to your own children at home, it might be to a parent, it might be to a partner, it might be to a sibling. There are loads of people that are going to try and take advantage, unfortunately. Again, it's a human thing. I want you to not say no and apologize, because let's be honest, when we do say no, what do we do? We go, oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't do that, I'm really sorry. And we apologize as if we're doing something wrong, as if we are in, you know, we're in the wrong, we're to blame for something. And actually, by setting a boundary, you're not doing anything wrong at all. All you're doing is protecting your own peace, you're protecting your own mental health, and in turn, your physical health. That's nothing to apologize for, you don't need to apologize. So instead, I want you to practice saying thank you. And I don't know if you guys have ever, if you have those scripts on your lanyards, and um, what do they call them? Uh, like de-escalation scripts and things but a lot of those sorts of things where we're talking to children in de-escalating situations or we're just communicating children with might who might have some, some language difficulties or something a lot of it is is not based around sort of saying sorry or please a lot of it's based around um sort of saying thank you so you're sort of assuming the behavior is already done don't know if anyone does that ring a bell with anyone anyone had training on that it's something to do with linguistics and saying thank you and sort of how it leads other people's behaviors and stuff like that so try the same thing with your adult colleagues, right? So say thank you, like thank you for understanding um, or sorry, sorry, I'm afraid at the moment I don't have the capacity to do that. Here is my calendar. I'm afraid that I've, I've used up, as you can see, all my time is, all my allocated hours are, are taken up. I'm afraid I can't take that on at the moment. I could do that for you next week or I might be able to do that for you at the start of April. But right now, as you can see, I don't have the capacity to do that. Thank you for understanding. Thanks for your patience. You don't need to say it like a robot you know have to read thank you very much for your patience in understanding me i don't mean like that i mean make it more natural but have a script in your mind have something that you're going to say set those boundaries firmly really communicate them don't apologize for it because instantly it puts the other person sort of back in control a little bit the other person sort of like oh yeah you should be sorry you know no 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 they're coming to you for support and they're coming to you for help you are fine to set the boundaries is, 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 you know, it's within your rights, so to speak. So when you communicate those boundaries, have a script, have something in, in mind that you are going to say, that's really, really important. You don't want to sort of fumble through it. Thank them. Don't apologize. Set the boundary firm. If they try to challenge it, remind them, reaffirm the boundary, remind them why the boundary is in that place exactly you know what the point is because they might you know people will assume the worst but are they just just being lazy or just trying to get out of it you know people will sometimes assume those kind of things not as much as we think when we feel guilty but they will sometimes assume those things so really you know stand up for yourself because at the end of the day let's be totally honest guys if you don't stand up for yourself who is going to i can't come around and set your boundaries your your partner teacher your your slt your your family at home, they can't set your boundaries for you. You're the only person that can do this. Just like many of the things that we talk about together, setting your boundaries is a personal thing that you must do. It is uncomfortable, partly because of social conventions and sort of social norms within teaching, many of which are pretty backwards that when we really think about it, partly because you haven't done it before. It's a skill. It, it makes you feel uncomfortable because it's something new. Just like riding the bike for the first time or going on your roller skates when you were little, right? It was uncomfortable. It wasn't something you were familiar with. It wasn't a skill that you particularly enjoyed in the beginning. Setting your own boundaries at school around workload, relationships, whatever it is, is exactly like this. Someone put in their check-in this week, um, essentially, that they 
they find it really, really difficult. They have difficulty with people coming to their classrooms, knocking on the door, letting themselves in, and essentially just sort of taking over. Not saying if you've got time to sort of burst in, in barging in, um, and, and essentially they're trying to mark, they're trying to do work to be productive, and this person's just sitting on the table having a natter. You've got to really think, again, if very difficult in the situation, but be empathetic to the other person. They might have a lot on their plate. Um, they might not really have many people at home to talk to. They might sort of just want a natter. They might be lonely. They might be a bit bored, whatever the reason is. So again, always, always try not to pick up that hot rock of sort of, you know, frustration. Try and think about it from their perspective and, and their sort of point of view. But at the same time, protect your own peace. Stand up for yourself. You know, they come in and start, you know, nattering at you. I this might be a bit rude and I, but I'm going to be honest I, I did it I would sometimes put a note on the door saying in the meeting and I'd sit there facing the door so they can't see what I'm doing with my headphones in and just be working away so it looks like I'm in a meeting the other thing I used to do is someone comes in and talks to me and it was always really really difficult because my TA blesser um this was years ago used to come first thing in the morning and just start talking and she she had quite a dramatic home life there was not in a really, really negative way but everything was quite a big deal if you sort of get what I'm saying um even if it wasn't so she's coming every morning bless her she was lovely but she just you know um talk and talk and talk and talk and talk it was great and you know I I half in one side of my mind have 20 minutes until the children are in and I haven't even finished the resourcing of the lesson and the other half of my mind I'm thinking well I don't want to be rude to her but at some point you just have to say something you know you can do it really really politely I'm really sorry I've just got to finish this off I've just got to rush out you know really, really sorry I'll catch up when I'm back it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. And what we've got to remember is when we do set these boundaries, the people who are, the people who will push the boundaries, the people who will contest the boundaries when you first set them, they are the people who are benefiting from you having none. Okay. And I've learned this the hard way over the years. Okay. No one in the team at the moment, this is a long, long time ago, but I once had a client, um, they weren't a client for very long because unfortunately I had to say goodbye to them for, for one of these reasons, but they used to call me like call my mobile. And once they even somehow got my personal number and called my personal mobile, like that's not okay. That's an, that's a boundary being overstepped. I don't want to be having a roast with my dinner and my personal number goes off from someone I don't even know worry, pick it up. And it's a client calling me like that's, that's not okay. And that, you know, the equivalent would be people sending you WhatsApps at eight, nine o'clock at night. And maybe you're the person doing that potentially at the moment. There's a, there's a reflection to be had here or people sending emails at or any time past 5 p.m. really and expecting it to be done the next day. Right. These are all unreasonable um, boundaries. But the people who will contest the boundaries are the same people who are benefiting from you having none. Like I say, unfortunately, people will try to take advantage of us, but it is down to us to protect our peace and put those boundaries in place. So whatever your boundary is. I want to really, really, really encourage you to try your absolute hardest to set some, whatever boundary it is that you're struggling with. I want to really encourage you this week to try and set that boundary. Just put, you know, a temporary one in place just for now, just the first draft, if you like, of the boundary, whatever it is, just try it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to not feel natural, but give it a go for me this week. Try and communicate it in those ways that we spoke about. Right. Final thing I want to quickly touch on, just a couple of really small things today. This one is going to be habit loops. So I made this diagram again um, using our colours to help uh, to basically summarise your habit loops. Now, if you remember rightly, Charles Duhigg in The Power of Habit talked about the habit loop that was, um, I've got to remember it now, cue, 
routine reward. That was his one. So the queue happens, you perform the routine and you get the reward. And then, and then James Clear came along in Atomic Habits and he broke down the routine into a craving and then the response. So cue, craving, response, reward. And I just want to give you a really quick reminder of what you can do, because some of you said, um, you know, for example, you've got food in the freezer, it's ready to go, it's prepped, you come in and it's just a case of, oh, either I forgot to defrost it or, I, or I've got to cook it from frozen, so it's going to take a long time. Let's get a takeaway, right? We've all done it. We've all been there. Charlotte, I'm just using your example from earlier. Let's just use that for this. Cue, craving, response, reward. Now, craving might not be as applicable to this example, but we can absolutely exploit that cue. And, and you know, we really want to exploit it. Let's say it's about, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Let's say it's about remembering to get the food out in the morning from the freezer. I do this all the time, by the way. How can we set yourself up? So you come down first thing in the morning and you remember to get the food out. You could set an alarm that goes off five minutes before, uh, five minutes after you wake up. So main, main alarm goes off, you wake up, you get out of bed, you're just potting around. Then another alarm goes off and you go, oh, what's that alarm? And it's called get meal out of freezer, right? Sounds silly, but something as obvious as that, that you then go and switch off and then you go and do it again. You might put a post-it note on the front door. So literally we're controlling our environment. The cue is the post-it note to remember the habit loop, sort of a habit loop, not really a habit, but it's definitely a behavioral loop in, in this instance to remind you to go to the freezer to get the mints out or whatever it is, okay? Posting it on the front door. It might be sharing it with a partner and getting them to remind you, okay? It might be, I don't know, put in a note on the fridge in big letters, you know, get the get the mints out. Maybe even put, put a post-it note on your dashboard in your car if you really want. Something to cue you to remember to go and get the meal out. So that's that's really exploiting the cues. Now, when it comes to the other things, you know, more habit loops, things that we want to, you know, get in the habit of performing, things that are healthy for us, things that are good for our mental and physical health that we want to embed, like getting a walk-in or... Conversely, as you can see in the red, if we want to break a habit like coming in and having half a pack of biscuits, we can do the opposite. So talk you through this diagram if you're listening to the podcast. Number one, then, is Q. To build strong cues, we can make it as obvious as possible. Or if we want to break it, we can make it invisible. Then we move on to the craving. The cue sparks the craving. From the craving, we can either make it really attractive, something we really, really want to do. Or to break it, we can make it unattractive. The craving then gives us the sensation of wanting to do it. And we, between craving and response, we have the choice. Even when it doesn't feel like a choice, we do have the choice. We respond. We can, to make the responding as easy as possible, we can either make it really, really easy to do, or if we want to break a habit, we can make it really, really difficult to do. And I'll give you an example in a second. Finally, that moves us on to the reward. If we want to make something last, if we want to make something really stick, we need to double down on that dopamine, that reward chemical by making it even more enjoyable. So make it satisfying the performing the habit. And if you want to break it, make it unsatisfying. So let's talk about um, biscuits. Let's talk about breaking the habit of coming in stressed, tired, um, hungry, coming in, particularly in winter when it's raining. For me, that's always the time that used to happen. Coming in, grabbing the biscuits out of the cupboard, make it invisible. So don't have the biscuits in the cupboard job done. <laughs> also, that's controlling your environment, right? Don't have the biscuits in the cupboard, job done. Or you come in um, and you open the cupboard and you've got, you know, um, 
some of not your favorite biscuits so rather than the ms cookies we might just have some rich teas in the cupboard let's be honest as a craving that's a lot less unattractive a lot less attractive that's much more unattractive right if we want to make it difficult to eat half the pack of biscuits we need to make it harder goes without saying right it's, it's very very obvious that one so we can put them on the top shelf at the back out of sight out of mind sort of thing so there's literally more more effort involved in going and getting in going and getting the biscuit we might put them outside in the garage so we're literally controlling our environments here to manipulate ourselves manipulate these habit loops make it as difficult as you possibly can like if someone's quitting smoking make it as difficult as you possibly can to to have a cigarette put as many block blockades as many barriers in your way between you and doing the habit just like we do every single sunday we do the opposite right every single sunday we make the week as easy as possible we plan out our meals we go shopping we prep some breakfast and lunches we pack our bag we get our water bottles out we have a wind down routine we put our phone away we get a good night's sleep that's removing all the bound uh, the barriers from the week removing all the friction filling in the potholes we all talk about this removing the debris that's what we're doing we make the week smooth and easy to do the opposite is true when we're trying to break a habit. Invisible, unattractive, make it hard, make it unsatisfying. Not something you want to do, okay? Um, let's go through another example then. So let's say take someone who wants to go for a walk every single morning. So the cue, let's set up your environment to get out for a walk in the morning. Put your walking clothes on the end of your bed or by the door in your bedroom. Put your shoes by the door. Set an alarm 15 minutes earlier. Put a reminder on your phone all things that you can do make your control your environment to the point where you come downstairs you have to go past two or three reminders of the, the fact that you're going for a walk first of all you get to the bottom of the stairs and your shoes are by the front door oh i'm going for a walk this morning okay right got to remember you go into the kitchen to make a cup of tea oh my ipods an ipod who's got an ipod don't know uh, my my headphones there you go my headphones are by the kettle oh right okay before i go for a cup of tea i just need to go for a quick walk okay Little things that you can put in your place, literally imagine your home environment or your school environment and think, what can I physically put in what the way to cue my habit loop, to remind me to do it? Make it as obvious as possible, glaringly obvious, make it really like painfully obvious, right? Then maybe not with, again, going for a walk, but over time, it won't be so much a craving, but it will just be a, a, a remind, a, a sort of a memory or become like a... Um, an intention, almost like a sensation of, oh yeah, I've got to go and walk and you go and do it. Not a craving. I don't think anyone really craves a walk. Sometimes we do, I guess. But the the, the sort of sensation of, okay, I, I, now I'm going for a walk, will kick in. Make it as attractive as possible. Buy some comfy shoes. Don't go walking in horrible, horrible shoes. Buy a really nice fluffy hat. Sounds really silly, doesn't it? But it's, it really does help. Buy a decent coat that's waterproof. Make your favorite playlist on, on your iPod, on your iPhone, or your, or your you know, other brands are available, your Samsung, your Motorola, whatever. Make you make a favorite playlist on Spotify. Um, pick a few podcasts, some of your favorite podcasts. Make the experience of going for a walk as attractive as possible. At this time of night, it's raining, it's dark, it's wet. No one wants to do it. And it could be like this in the morning, right? No one wants to do it. So make it as easy as attractive as possible. Then make it easy. Don't say I'm going to go for a two hour walk before work. No one's doing that. I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. I'm going to go for a five minute walk. I mean, even I'm just going to get dressed and go and, you know, walk, walk up and down the coldy sack and then come back in just a bit of fresh air. Because the hardest thing is just getting out and going for a walk. Or the hardest thing is 
just making that choice with your nutrition. If you can get over that initial hump, that hurdle, and by the way, that's your brain pulling the handbrake and saying, no, stay in the comfort zone. Don't go out there. Like stay in to get the takeaway. We, we like takeaways in the comfort zone. It's Tuesday. Who cares? Tuesday takeaway. It's alliteration. Come on, stay in the comfort zone. Come in, you know, it's nice in here. We like it. It doesn't want you to go and cook when you're tired. It's not used to doing that. That feels like a threat to your body and your brain. And it sounds bizarre, but it's literally your body pulling up the hand, your brain pulling up the handbrake and saying, stay in this bubble. We like it here. We know what happens if we stay in here. We don't know what happens if we go and put effort in. That, that's that's a foreign feeling. We don't like it. So go out, make it as easy as possible for you. Go back to the walk uh, example. Make it as easy as possible. Don't make it difficult. Really, really easy. And then make it satisfying. Something that's really simple is like, that I talk about a lot is chain linking your habits. So a big calendar and ticking off all the days that you complete the habit. Really, really simple, really, really easy to do. Or this is why we have we've chosen this app. OK. Or when it comes to um, that is why in um, your app, there are the habits. So you go in, you tick it off, and then you can even go and you can look at your streaks. I'm not sure if anyone's seen that, but you can go in, you can look at your streaks and see how many days you've kept it up for. That's really, really powerful. For some reason, our brains don't like to break progress. They don't like to break chains. So if you can make sure that you are either chain linking it or ticking it off or whatever in a diary, on your app, on a calendar, whatever you can do, that's going to really, really reinforce that behavior and that habit loop. It's going to be massively, massively powerful. And then, of course, you can give yourself a reward. If I go for a walk every day this week, I'm going to take myself out for an hour's coffee date by myself with a good book. Really, really simple. Or I'm going to go and I'm going to buy myself a new pair of shoes because now I'm actually using them. I can sort of justify a new pair of trainers. Whatever it might be, give yourself a reward. Always try to avoid giving yourself a reward with food because that's a bit of a slippery slope. Nice coffee or something's quite nice, you know, rather than just a homemade one, go and treat yourself to a nicer coffee. Something like that's okay. But again, be a bit bit wary about food. So that's really, guys, all I want to talk to you about tonight. I just wanted to talk to you about your goals. I wanted to talk to you about celebrating your wins and your successes. Just a quick bit on boundaries and setting those boundaries and then to remind you of habit loops, how we can build them, how we can hack them and how we can make the most of them. So I hope this has been a good refresher in some of those little bits that we talk about quite often. Boundaries with friends, family, colleagues, really, really important that you go and put those in place. Please, please do have the difficult conversation. You'll thank yourself in six months time. I can almost guarantee that you will. And when it comes to your habit loops, your environments, eating the food that you've prepared, going out for the walk that you need to. A few of you have said this week, I know I need to do, I just need to do it. Yes, that's true. But how about we look at how we can make that easier to do? We're not just beating ourselves up for it. How about we set our environment up for success? How about we actually make it as simple and quick and easy as possible? (laughs) 